Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you've found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hello and welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and listening to what I feel are these life-changing conversations. If you haven't had a chance, please take time to leave a review to wherever you listen to your podcast and share to your social media networks. It really helps people find us. Now on to today's Relevate episode. My guest is Jim Shambo, and per his suggestion, we are calling this episode Unmasked. By all appearances, he and his beautiful wife, Terry, were living a Ken and Barbie life. Two beautiful people with two beautiful children living the dream with a big house, successful careers, until the facade began to crack and the mask started to come off. I know you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. For context, Jim mentions no longer bound in this episode. The Men's Addiction Treatment Center, where he and I met, which had and continues to have a profound impact on his family's life, even though Jim's personal struggle was not with addiction. Let's get this conversation started. Jim Shambo, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you. So glad you're here. Glad I'm here. I feel really so blessed to have met so many amazing people, yourself included, while working in the addiction and recovery field. I know a little bit about your personal story, but would love to know more. I'd love to share it. Thank you. So the reason I'm here today is really to kind of share my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one been building for many years, and um, I think it began at an early age, like most of us, right? Yeah. I grew up in a Christian family. My mom and dad were solid Christians, and they got married early on. And they were young. And uh, later on in years, my dad began to struggle with his addiction as well. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. Uh, I saw, I knew that they loved me very much, but I also know that that was a real struggle. And it became an issue because in addiction, as families, we tend to walk on eggshells all sure. the time and not real sure what to expect and when to expect it. Yeah. But I think that the pivotal moment in my life was about the age of seven and someone outside of our family, I was sexually molested. And that was a point in my life that I feel was, I had an identity crisis that began to really grow. And I want to focus more today on while those things began to build a mask, what happened as the mask became to come off, right? So over a period of time, uh, living in a household with addiction became you know, rough for me. And I begin to question who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sexual abuse certainly um, attributed to that in a big way. Yeah. And I also begin to question God. And, you know, we were brought up in the church. So every Sunday you go to church and you sit in the pews and 
you go to your small group and, and everybody is having a great time. And I really didn't understand why God would allow this to happen to me. And so many of us go through stories mm-hmm. where we do, we question that. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, my worth and the shame that I had around that event uh, really destroyed, destroyed me. And so over a period of time, um, I met my wife, you know, in my late teens and uh, we started dating and I felt like the age of 22 is when we got married, but walking into that marriage, I carried this incredible secret Mm -hmm. that I really didn't want to share and didn't really want to talk about, uh, as well as the pain of watching my dad go through his addiction. And he decided to get clean probably a couple of years before I got married. But again, that was a process. Mm -hmm. And the day that I got married was a time when, um, I wouldn't say that our relationship was the best, but it was starting to heal. Yeah. And today, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, I have a great relationship with my dad and I love him more than ever. So, but again, at 22, I got married and um, it was the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. It was um, kind of a new thing to me, like to think that there's somebody that really loves me um, and that I can share life with and experience it. And it was almost like being able to turn away from the past Mm -hmm. and from those things that haunted me for so long and move forward. But strangely enough, I had not dealt with those things yet. So they, again, years and years went by. And I think that I got involved like most people and most men and performing. Mm -hmm. And so that mass began to build. Yeah. Did you have any addiction struggles when you were younger? Did you try to self-medicate? You know, no. I mean, I, I, I experimented with drugs when I was a kid. I didn't like the feeling of it. I didn't like how it made me feel. But I think that most of us struggle with some sort of addiction, right? Mm-hmm. It's our thing that we go to. Right. And, and I think mine became work. It became titles. It yeah. became material things. Mm-hmm. And um, I became good at it. And I felt that over a period of time that that was where my worth came from. And so it was much easier for me to really get behind being the president of the company or being the director of whatever. And so I got caught up in that. Um, and I remember honestly feeling guilty a lot of times because maybe I achieved this or I achieved that, or I was driving that car or had that house, but it was really just masking all the pain that I had had. Yeah. And, and it just continued to, to bubble up. And those, uh, the pursuit of things is always so temporary. Sure. The, the, the satisfaction. It's, it sure it is. I mean, yeah. it, it's fun uh, to get stuff, but, you know. It makes you happy, right? See, there's a ha- difference between happiness and joy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the happiness is short-lived and the joy is what we want. Right. And that's what I was kind of missing out on. And while, you know, things seem to be going in from the outside what people told me and what they saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember when we got married, um, people used to refer to me and my wife as Ken and Barbie, oh. uh, which was really <laughs> kind of intimidating at the time. But yeah. um, everybody thought I was perfect. And that's totally not how it really mm-hmm. was. Nobody is. And so, you know, we started our life and we, we had a couple kids. And my son's name is Tyler. My daughter is Courtney. And I love them dearly. And um, not knowing what God had in store, but... Um, 13 years ago in Fort Lauderdale and having the title of this job. And it was great. But I remember my, my son was in his addiction. Um, and I remember vividly going to a restaurant and having dinner with some business partners 
and coming out and waiting for the valet and turned my head and I saw my son who I had at that point, I think kicked him out of the house at the age of 16. Um, and he was, uh, I, I'm sure he was doing a drug deal or something where he shouldn't mm-hmm. have, but said hello to him and, um, and he turned and, you know, kind of cursed and, and it happened in front of so many people. Um, and it, I just wasn't sure how to handle it. And I loved him so much, um, that it really messed with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mask was starting to disintegrate at that point. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, that was the beginning of part of it starting to disintegrate. Yeah. And, um, and then we moved to Georgia after that. So about 10 years ago, we moved here to Atlanta. Wow. So how long had it been since you had seen Tyler? At that time, I, it had been a, a few months. I mean, we mm-hmm. stayed in touch and things like that just to make sure he was okay. You yeah. know, as as parents of someone who struggles with addiction, I mean, it's um, it inf- impacts the whole family. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, certainly caused problems between me and my wife. And we were on different pages, sometimes different libraries. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> and just trying to figure out how we were going to get through this. And... And another thing, too, is we experience things differently, mm-hmm. you know, within a marriage. So, you know, oftentimes her way may be to want to talk it out or to be upset or and my way was just to bury myself in my work and not have to think about it. And I remember oftentimes she would think, well, I, you just don't care about our son. Mm-hmm. And I really did. Yeah. I just didn't know how to express that or deal with that. And that was, you know, probably going all the way back to my early childhood years to, mm-hmm. to realize I just didn't know how to deal with the pain because yeah. uh, I didn't know how to process it. So being that turtle and going yeah. in your shell where you're, where you're safe and don't have to deal with it. Yeah. So, I mean, we moved here, um, I believe in 07 or 08 to Atlanta and I came here because I had to work for a large insurance company mm-hmm. and become an agent and pretty exciting time. Right. I mean, yeah. we got here and. Um, my son followed us up. My daughter came as well and, uh, really exciting time for us. But again, uh, that mask was there and I didn't realize what was getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had been here about three months and I started my career and we had to present a business plan. And in that business plan, I remember we had to do so many applications and, and I believe my business plan indicated I was going to do 180 over a three-month period of time, which is, well, you know, not crazy numbers, but it was significant. Yeah. And I had my review this one day. And keep in mind, we've only been here three months. I didn't know a lot of people. And um, before that review came, what was really going on in my life, and again, something we didn't talk about at the time, but my son had come up here. Um, he went back into a treatment center. And quickly thereafter, um, was arrested uh, for heroin charges and put in jail. And um, my daughter was struggling with an eating disorder at that time. And my wife was about to have a nervous breakdown. And here I had this new business that I was supposed to be oh producing a certain number, a certain level of production. And uh, I remember my boss at the time came in and sat down and I was so excited because I thought this is one good thing. I'm only four applications away from that quota mm-hmm. of 180. It was a 176. And, uh, he started 
asking me, hey, where, where are those additional four applications? And I don't know about you, Rena, but have you ever been in a moment in your life where you just snap? Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think the, the, the mask that Jim Shambo had mm-hmm. seen for so long and those that had, that people saw, mm-hmm. um, it started to come off in a big way that day and I lost it. I mean, I literally lost it. Uh, I don't get angry often. Mm-mm. And I stood up and cursed at that boss and asked him to leave the office with a bunch of ex- expletive words. Um, and he left. But I realized at that moment he knew nothing about me. Yeah. He didn't know who I was. He didn't know what I was going through. And just like I see behind you a picture of your family behind you, there was one behind me as well. Yeah. And he never asked about that. And I think given where I was at in that moment, uh, I just snapped. Yeah. And I remember walking out of my office and realizing I've probably just lost my job because of the way I spoke to him. Mm-hmm. And I got in my car and I remember this was on Sugarloaf Parkway and I began weeping, just destroyed. Um, and if I had to tell you what that felt like, it felt like the mask was just melting off quickly. And, um, I remember being so upset. I pulled over to the side of the road because I couldn't drive any longer. And I started what I thought would be bargaining with God, Mm -hmm. screaming at him, yelling at him, um, cursing at him. And basically just telling him, you know, you've taken everything from me. I lost my childhood. I've lost my son. My daughter is struggling. My wife is struggling. I can't do this anymore. I really didn't know anybody up here except for my brother. And um, felt super alone. And over a period of about 20 minutes... It was the first time in my life ever that I heard an audible voice. Hmm. And I felt I heard God say this. And I'm going to use this term Jimmy because that's what my dad calls me. He said, Jimmy, all I want is you. And that was a pivotal moment for me. Mm because it made me realize that the control that I had been hanging on to for so long, that there was something out there beyond me. And maybe, just maybe, there was a chance that God could love me. Because I've been fighting that for so long. Um, and so that moment in my life really changed me. And it was like, I was willing to give God a shot, right? Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not all in at all, yeah. but I'm willing to give him a shot. And of course, the very first thing I had to do was apologize to my boss and call him. Kind <laughs> 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 um, of get that taken care of. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that how God works is that today I have the same position that he had at that pivotal moment in my life. Mm. And there was a reason that right I mean there was a reason for that so I um I remember going home that day and just 
you know, we all have a battlefield and the battlefields in our mind Mm -hmm. is between the two ears and really struggling. And I decided to open my Bible and this verse has become my very favorite verse in the whole wide world, but it's Exodus 14, 14. And it says, I will fight for you. You need only be still. Mm. And there's so much more to that. You know, it was like saying, hey, Jim, you need to just chill out. It's not yours. It's mine. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm willing to give it a shot. So fast forward a few weeks later, my son was accepted and no longer bound. And um, he went to no longer bound. My daughter got better and she's fantastic now. Um, But oftentimes it happens in the family because she was the the kid who was always okay, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. our focus was on somebody different. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we didn't love her any less. In no. fact, loved her just as much. It's just sure. that we thought, oh, she's okay. But come to find out that was the one thing that she could control was the eating disorder piece. So she, she got better, and um, my son went to no longer bound. And again, um, that was probably nine, ten years ago. During the time he was there, I remember I got a chance to go to family recovery and uh, Mm -hmm. sit in the back and I was very kind of angry still, I guess, Mm because like, this is not, this is not my problem. This is his problem. And, uh, you know, quickly went through that process. And then after that, we, I got a call from No Longer Bound and they said, hey, we're having this class and it's called Inner Healing and now we call it Revelation. And we're going to do it for outside men. And I said, well, that that's really cool. Maybe I'd love to do that just to see what my son's getting ready to sure. go through. Cause that might be good, you know? And so I decided to do that. I had no idea <laughs> what that was about. <laughs> I had no idea how deep and how incredibly satisfying that was to not just know God but experience them on a level that I had never done before. Mm. Um, And I finally got to deal with the pain of everything. I mean, everything. And so it's interesting because, you know, you and I have both seen these, all these amazing stories that no longer bound. And I come out and say, you know, I am no longer bound. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who would have thought that by my son going there, that I was the one who got healed. Yeah which was just really crazy. And so I went through that process and the first time in my life ever that I felt clean, like where I really got to experience God in a way that was just powerful. And I got to witness God giving me a white robe Mm -hmm. to cover that little boy Mm -hmm. that was so hurt and so down and make me feel clean again. And that was the first time ever. And so that was just kind of the beginning of this whole deal and understanding that I have no control. Mm-mm. None. Yeah. You know, I'm the kind of guy like, you know, I like to, we think we, we think we're in control, right? And sure. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to give you about 72 hours. <laughs> After that, I'm going to have to step in. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. And then that never did work. But I know that um, 
this process has really been one that has just shown me that God does love you. Mm-hmm. You know, God loves me more than, and that, but that's been so powerful on this whole thing called grace and all the legalism that I learned growing up mm-hmm. and how afraid I was of God. Yeah. And to think that, you know, if I did this, this, and this, it's all contingent. And so, you know, I'm screwed. There's no way this can't happen. Yeah. And so I really feel like that, uh, no longer bound really changed my life. And, you know, looking back, I mean, maybe 12 years, 11 years ago before we moved here, if someone would have told me that I'd be leaving real estate and I'd be in Georgia working for an insurance company and all this stuff would have happened, I would told you're out of your mind, you know, and uh, it's just so amazing that, you know, how God works and you just have no clue what's getting ready to happen. (laughs) His ways are just, I mean, we, you, you, you can't predict them ever, no. ever. No. And the, the path is, for most of us, it's, it's so windy and often so much longer than we think it's going to be. <laughs> it's true. God's time is always like, uh, so much further in the future you than, can't than we see, anticipate. can't see around it. You know, you're know. just not sure what's going to happen. And, um, but, I mean, you know, speaking my truth at this point and talking about those kind of things – it's been amazing to me to see how many other men will come up and share those things and say, Hey, this happened to me Yeah. or this happened to me. Um, and so I think that that's been a, a really great thing. So why do you feel the time is right for you to, to kind of start sharing your story and taking off the mask? Great question. I think that at this point in my life, I'm not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, so many times fear is such a wall and I'm just tired of it. Yeah. I think there's no place for it any longer. And I'm not afraid to say that, you know, Hey, this is who I am mm-hmm. and this is what's happened to me. And God loves me regardless. In fact, I feel that God loves me even more sure. when I'm sharing these things because I know that it's all for his glory. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's something freeing about that. And I think that, you know, he came to set us free. And one of my favorite things is when, I don't know who said this, and I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure who it was, but someone said to me once that God treated you as if your, his son had lived your life so that you in turn could live his. Say that again. So let's say that again. Yeah. So, God treated his son as if he had lived your life so that you in turn could live his and exchange life. Yeah. Right. So he put his son on a cross Mm -hmm. and we oftentimes feel that way, but we don't have to because he says, that's not who you are. Yeah. That you're special, that you're righteous, that you're perfect Mm -hmm. and that you're my son or you're my daughter. And there's just so much more to that. And again, when you talk about things like this, it's hard for the, the enemy to get in our head. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah. that's the only thing he's got mm-hmm. is what's between our ears. So and true. it's just a minefield. And right. I think that oftentimes if we're not talking about that and we're not authentic and we're not real, it's going to play with your head. Yeah. And you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to be. And as Christian people, I think that the message constantly needs to be God loves you regardless, mm-hmm. you know? 
And have you ever heard of the acronym chain that Stephen Furtick had used? Mm-mm. So, so, you know, how you become addicted to something is you make a choice, mm-hmm. which becomes a habit, which becomes automatic, which becomes your identity, and it becomes your nature. C-H-A-I-N. And I love that. Yeah. Because a period of time, he what he has a, did an analogy on stage one time, and it was like where he used a chain, and he mm-hmm. talked about that. But then he took a bigger chain, and he attached mm-hmm. that same chain to this person, and he said, this chain is called grace. And that's not going to let you go, no matter what you do. And it's much stronger than this whole thing that you've got yourself into. And we just need to recognize that. And so that's really the reason why I'm doing that. that. It's really the reason I've decided that this is, you know, and it doesn't hurt either that the older I get, my filter goes away. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's so good. And I love to have these conversations and, and it, it's like we always kind of gravitate to faith. And for my non-believing listeners or friends, people just don't, that, that, that are separated from God, you know, the, the path to him sometimes I think seems so distant, mm-hmm. but it's really not. I mean, oh. he is, he's right there with us all the time. And it's not about going to church and following a list of rules and giving up, you know, whatever you love. It's, it's about relationship. Absolutely. And it's the power of that relationship is just, it's transformational. It can fill your heart in ways you can't even explain. So I just thank you for, for being so transparent and sharing that, that you found God at a men's addiction recovery center <laughs> in a, you know, in a room with what? Right. Who would have thought? Five other men, you know, just, he was there. Yeah. Well, you know, it was more important to me than anything is to realize that he always was there. Right. Even mm-hmm. as far back as I can remember all this, I was still there. I mean, I was in present, even at the age of 50, I was present and I was sitting there and God had been there all the way through. Otherwise I wouldn't have been there to start with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I had to kind of realize that God gives us free will. And the man that did this to me years ago, he had the free will to do whatever he wanted, but God was right there with me. Otherwise I wouldn't have made it through. Right. Right. So that was an important thing for me to realize also. Yeah. So powerful. So good. So I love, you know, no, no longer bound obviously had a huge impact on your life and, and you have stayed connected and involved and you're on the board and you're teaching family recovery classes and, um, you know, I just love the fact that it was Tyler who ended up there first, but mm-hmm. y- you're the one who is just really f- fully implanted and have just given back of yourself and experienced such healing in right. the process. And not only for you, but it's eventually covered your whole family, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there's, you know, it's still a process. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Tyler's been clean, I want to say, for about a year and a half or so. Mm. That's which is just, just a blessing. Amazing. Uh, amazing blessing. He is and a great uh, guy. Starting to have a, you know, great relationship. And I know he's got a heart, mm. you know, that he really Such cares. So, I mean, and, you know, just the relationship I have with my dad now is just so amazing. And mm. I talk to him all the time and he's just incredibly supportive. My mom is too. And uh, while they've gotten older, uh, it's just, it's neat to see the wisdom that they have. 
and they're, they're willing to impart those things to me. Yeah. And it's just such a great thing to be able to call them and share. And like the first thing they always say is, well, let's just pray about it. You know, let's just pray about that. And it even goes back to my grandmother who was my father's mother. She was a prayer warrior and she was deaf and she was kind of the strong arm of the family in terms of faith and her husband uh, died due to complications of addiction as well. So, I mean, it's been in the family for quite oh, yeah. a while. It's in mine as well. And part of the idea of us doing even this is just to say, I'm going to stop this generational thing, right? And we're going to move forward. Right. And we're going to talk about it. Exactly. We're not going to hide behind exactly. it anymore. Right. There was just, there's been so much shame about it for so long that I really, Absolutely. I really feel these types of conversations also help break down that stigma. It's Correct. okay to talk about it. And you need to. And you bring you know. it to the light and it's, you know, you connect with other people and it just doing that, it starts to get better. Right. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping families yeah. because they become just as sick as the addict. Oh yeah. And, you know, even though over the past 10 years, you know, we've continued to struggle on and off and Tyler's continued to struggle. Uh, we're not that perfect family, right? No. And I remember there was a time a few years in at No Longer Bound Teaching. I thought, oh, I think I probably need to step down because Tyler's not doing great and we're not doing good as a family. How, who am I to be standing up here and sharing these stories or talking about how you can heal when I haven't done it? But I remember, um, you know, hearing from God and praying about it and like, that's exactly where you need to be. Yeah. You know, and it helped me a lot to kind of move forward. And, and there's just so many people struggling and it's just such an epidemic and it's good to be around people that can understand yeah. and, and help. people that are real. Talk, every, yeah. Everybody's had their mask melted <laughs> yeah, off right. in that room, in those rooms. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was shocked when I got there, just the level of transparency and realness. And I mean, I just gravitated to it so much. And it's not something that you see often, I especially know. with men, which is a, uh, really a shame mm -hmm. it really is I mean it takes courage sure it does especially from what the world has taught us to not to feel mm -hmm. and not to cry yeah and to be able to go in there and be that vulnerable and authentic and to know even after you've done it God's got your back mm -hmm. it's an incredible feeling yeah yeah and just being there I've I've learned you know I was on the marketing side not the clinical side but just in hearing these stories it seems like absentee fathers um, that's a lot of the story for a lot of these these men. Did did your career ever threaten to kind of consume your life so that you weren't a fully present dad for absolutely, your kids? Absolutely. I think, you know, when my son in his teenage years um, had the big job and, and made all this money, and I always thought if I could just pay for things, it'd be easier because I didn't have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to face those things, and I didn't want to. There was such a stigma and any family that goes through addiction realizes that there's this point in time where you think, yeah, I don't know if I can share this with anybody and maybe no one else is experiencing this. And the reality is, is everybody is, yeah. but you kind of internalize that. And the thought of your child, you know, struggling as a heroin addict is terrifying. And also it's very opposite of what we're taught to do as parents mm -hmm. to, to detach and what that actually looks like. And, detach with love. And so what are you saying? I mean, is that it's like, it's just not, so hard. not the norm. Can't imagine. So it becomes very frustrating. And I think that every family struggling with addiction has their own journey and they have to determine 
at some point in time what it is they want to do because you know I've been told listen you can never let them live with you or you can never do this or don't do this but everybody has to experience that on their own Mm -hmm. right because there's a point in time where you have to decide you have to be okay whether you get that phone call or not like you have to get to that place where you know you're going to be okay whether you get the phone call or not and that's when you can start to have some freedom in making the right decisions Mm -hmm. to do that but until you're there nobody can tell you what you should or shouldn't do you know and I'm sure your wife as women with us being usually the nurturers in the mm-hmm. family, it pro- I'm guessing it probably took her longer to get there than it did you. Uh, I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a great question. I think that we both may have got there, but maybe I wasn't willing to show that yet yeah. or get there. And I think that's the ultimate goal for the families that I teach mm-hmm. is to make sure they're okay whether their loved one is okay or not. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard sometimes to be able to trust God to know that the answer that you want and the recovery that you want may not be the answer you're going to get. And there's really, it's a lot in that. That is a lot. So it's a good bit of surrender that really makes a difference. Oh yeah. Speaking of. Yes. I've heard you say some of us would rather fight to stay sick then surrender to be healed. It's a great statement. What? Can you <laughs> Wasn't for me, that? by the way. I just <laughs> but it's good. Uh, some of us would rather fight to stay sick than surrender to be healed. Because what's involved in surrender is pain. And unless we're willing to face the pain, we're not going to heal. And so we oftentimes fight to keep the mask on mm-hmm. uh, because we realize what's going to happen is when you start to rip that off, it's not going to feel good. And I think that's the meaning behind that for me, at least, is just to know that any time that I've had to gain healing, it's through surrender. And surrender means I've got to deal with that thing, whatever that thing is. And sometimes that's not fun. Yeah. It's not normal, honestly, you know, for somebody <laughs> to go backwards in a class, like at no longer bound for five months or several weeks in a row and dig into stuff and trauma and all the stuff that's happened. That's just not normal. No. But when you realize that the reason that you do that is so you can get that healing. Mm-hmm. And so you can allow to allow God to see that he was there the whole time and that he was a part of it and that you're going to be okay. Yeah. It's incredibly freeing. Yeah. Surrender is not, especially for like driven people. It almost feels like, you're giving up, right. you know, for like driven, accomplished, high-performing people to surrender. It's like, no, you know, I'm going to fight to the end. But yeah, for most people, it's a, the, the white flag, right? You raise mm-hmm. the, the white flag and all of us, and that's what surrender means. And it, it just means allowing someone else to take care of it, yeah. you know, and, and trusting that God can and understanding too, that it doesn't always look what the way we want it to look. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, you know, that can be scary at times. Yeah. So good. So I love to talk about dads and their very yes. important role in the family. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try not to cry on this because it's so sweet. On Father's Day on your Facebook page, you wrote, I so appreciate the relationship I have with my father. He has been an amazing example of what it looks like to have weathered the storm 
fought for his family, loved unconditionally, and kept Christ the foundation of his life. Having led family recovery classes for so many years, I'm sure you have tremendous insight into what it means to be a real and present father. Help us understand just how important that is. Well, I think that especially for men, fathers are one of the most important things there are. And a lot of times they don't have the ability to have those relationships. And oftentimes we see when people come through recovery that reconciliation is not a guarantee, Mm -hmm. right? And there's been a lot of damage and there's a lot of hurt. But I think with fathers, there's just this thing that's there, this innate ability to want to be loved by your dad. Mm -hmm. And I think that I am so blessed to be able to have that relationship with my father. And more importantly, for him to have set an example, because he wasn't perfect, you know, and my dad has been through struggles himself. He's so loved, and it's so amazing to me when I'm around him to see the amount of people that just love him and um, and how many people's lives that he's impacted over the years by sharing his story and so I think that's really important, but, but more importantly than any of that, when you have a dad who loves God, mm. like my dad does, there's nothing more foundational. There's nothing more than that example yeah. that provides, especially for someone growing up. And, um, and I recognize that, you know, I was not the perfect dad either but I strive to be like my dad mm-hmm. and, and provide help to other people. And I'm so thankful that he gave me that gene because I really do believe that came from my father. <laughs> 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 but to also understand that we have a heavenly father too that wants to be our dad mm-hmm. and can provide the same thing And I think that's what so many people, while they might not have the same relationship they have with their father, like I am blessed to have with mine, there is a father and there is a dad that cares just as much for them that they can rely on, they can look to for an example, and that can provide a foundation for them to get them through whatever storm it may be. Amen. So good. What a gift to have an earthly father well into your your adult life. Oh, it's a blessing. Really My dad's is. been gone for a long time and I just I just missed miss his presence mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And have a, a father who loves Jesus. I mean, I, I didn't have that and I think that's why I really gravitated to Bobby, my husband, like I did, because on our first date it became apparent he loved Jesus. And I knew that was a big thing missing in my father. Um, so for you to have both that. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, amazing. And, and you know, that's how God works. It's like he helps, you know, you went through all this trauma with your, your kids as a parent, but you had your parents here to nurture and love you and guide you through it. You know, he's always helping to fill in the gaps when, when those are present, because they're always going to be present. I mean, nobody has that perfect family unit. And if it were, 
we wouldn't need Christ. There right? you go. <laughs> I mean, it's just. <laughs> there you go. That wouldn't be a, would be a point, right? So yeah, I think that he's always trying to find ways for us to kind of turn and yeah. say, I'm here. Okay. So now I'm going to make you really cry. Okay. So um, your son, Tyler, he goes yes. by Ty now, I guess. Right. Is that, um, he wrote a, a post on Facebook, and I'm friends with him, that when I read it, I was just, I wept. And I couldn't imagine how it made you feel. So if you don't mind, <laughs> I would love you to read that post sure. that your son Ty wrote about you after you accomplished some test or some. Yeah, I had passed a test. And um, congratulations, Dad. You worked your butt off, and I got to see you do it. The even cooler part of for a son was to watch you achieve it not based on just how intelligent you are or how much you deserve it, but because you earned every bit of it. Be proud today, not just because your family is, but because you're a man worth being proud of. I love you, Dad. Thank you for all you've done for this family and me, even more important, never giving up no matter the challenge. I know you're not a fan of cussing, but thanks for always being a badass. Love your son, Ty. Yeah, that was powerful. Um, that was uh, an incredible moment, you know, and I cherish those. Mm. Um, he was, you know, he was just, we were starting to, we're always starting to build in our relationship, and I'm so proud of him for, oh. you know, the struggle that he's gone through, and I recognize how difficult it is. And uh, just two years ago was the last time that, you know, he overdosed, and um, he his heart stopped four times oh my gosh. and I just feel so blessed that he's still here. Mm -hmm. And there's no doubt in my mind, no matter what his journey is that, I mean, God's not done with him yet. No way. You know, he's not done with me yet and he's not done with you yet. No. And so what's great so about that is, that is that the story is still being written, but certainly that statement did mean a lot. Uh, I, I, when I read that statement, I lost it. Yeah. Uh, just, it wrecked me simply because I don't get to hear that stuff that often from him. And um, both him and my daughter have just been through a tremendous amount. And uh, I want to make sure that they hear that I love them more than anything. So, Being a parent, I mean, a lot of times it is a thankless job, especially when you're kind of in the trenches with your kids. They just don't have good perspective about their parents and what kind of sacrifices we make for them. So for him to publicly just articulate that like that, I just thought it was like, wow. Yeah, it was an incredible moment. And I, I relish those kind of moments, I think. And it's great to know that both my kids are okay now and they both got children and uh, mm. it's, it's, you know, God's really working and I don't know, he's not done yet, but I'm excited where it's going and I'm excited to, to just see for myself what God has in store yeah. because it's just been an amazing ride the past 10 years. So would you say the mask is fully off? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say there's, I think a lot of times in my life, there may be some shrapnel still that I may have not dealt with. And oftentimes now that I teach that very same class, uh, the revelation class or any healing, I've done it four times now. God speaks to me again. 
And so I still learn more and I'm so happy that that's the case. Emotionally, it can be draining at times. But the freedom on the other side of that is just incredible. And I, as much as I hate to go through pain, and I think we all do, knowing what's on the other side and understanding that now, it gives me an incredible opportunity to not only continue to work on myself, mm-hmm. but to work with those families through No Longer Bound. Yeah, fight for them. Absolutely, because they deserve to be fought for. Absolutely. So the term relevate means to inspire or uplift. Mm-hmm. What words of inspiration do you have for our listeners as it relates to living a life unmasked? I would say this, uh, God's love is so powerful. And I think we have the opportunity to experience that. And it just takes one step. Mm-hmm. It's just taking that first step and realizing, you know, maybe things aren't working out. No matter what I've been through, no matter what you've been through, that there's always a way out. And even people who think there is no God, if you've never tried it, <laughs> you're never going to gonna know, yeah. right? And I think that sometimes you get to the end of your rope and uh, you realize that maybe there is a shot. And I think that if you just give God one opportunity, mm-hmm. he will fight for you. Yeah. And being still doesn't mean doing nothing. No. It just means resting in his presence right. and allowing him maybe just to sit on his lap and allow him to love you. So beautiful. Jim, I'm just blown away and um, so thankful for this time to be with you and to have you really share your heart and bless a whole bunch of people in the <laughs> process. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks. You be blessed. Thanks. You too. The level of vulnerability in this man, Jim Shambo, is just extraordinary, don't you think? May we all be inspired by his example to take off the mask, to love our family recklessly and completely the way the Father loves us, to never stop fighting, especially for your kids, to give back, to be humble to love, and to serve. Let's go, people. A real abundant life awaits. Take off that mask. Don't be afraid to address the hurt that's holding you back so you can truly live. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.